0: Welcome to Buzz with Brian. I am your host, Brian. We're going to talk about beer, the history, and drinking. Alright, beer fans, welcome back to this week's episode of Buzzed with Brian. So happy to have you on. We've got a fun episode lined up today. It is a double beer feature, that's right, two beers today. And we will be enjoying a classic German style. That is right, we are going to have the Kolsch. Today's episode is sponsored by Editors. Just like my editor, Matt Schauble, A big shout out to you, Matt. This podcast would not be possible if it wasn't for you and all the the behind-the-scenes work you put in to slinging my audio together and making it sound great. Let us also not forget the incredible music transitions you hear throughout the show. That is his band, that's right, Matt's band, North Breeze. I have their link to their Spotify in my episode description, so please do check them out if you haven't already. This episode is dedicated to Matt because the Kolsch is the style that he really enjoys. This is the kind of beer, I believe it was Liney's Canoe Paddler, that kind of stoked the fire of getting him into the craft beer scene. So, Matt, this episode is for you. The two beers we have lined up today, the first one is coming out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin from Dead Bird Brewery. It is goddamn beer. And the second is coming from Minaqua Brewing Company. Minaqua is right kind of north-central part of the state, the true Northwoods. And we are going to be enjoying their Biden beer. Now, on to the show. Time to kick off this episode. We are enjoying the Kohl style, as mentioned earlier. It is a very light, easy-going beer. This is an easy drinker. I think this would appeal to a lot of beer novices, palates... Um, it's definitely very reminiscent of drinking a beer in the summertime, which is very appropriate as the temperature is finally warming up here in the Midwest. A few words that come to mind are crisp, delicate, and very crushable when it comes to the coal-style beer. You're often going to get something that's very light in color, but has some good malt character. I think the versatility of this beer provides sometimes a fruity, almost Venus character, along with a very mildly dry, crisp finish. The ABV, we're gonna range from the upper fours to the lower fives, so something on the more sessionable side. As well as the bitterness units will range from the upper teens to the upper 20s. So this is gonna be a really easy going beer. I think I could find myself drinking a Kolsch well with a bratwurst or even some nutty cheese or other light desserts just in general. So with that, let's get on to some history. As mentioned earlier, the Kolsch style does have German roots. It was born out of the western part of Germany in a city called Cologne. The word Kolsch itself is an expression for the dialect of German spoken in Cologne and the surrounding region, as well as it may be a word used to indicate a person from that area. Much like the other styles of beers from specific parts of Germany, the Kolsch is embedded into the identity of Cologne, and there's a lot of pride that people from that area have in this beer. To start off our inception story here, we have to go back to the late 1700s, early 1800s, and truth be told, the Kolsch style is a beer of compromise. The, If you recall, the lager style was becoming very prominent across Central Europe during this time period, and much like other places, the people of Cologne were a little resilient to start. You know, they were very proud of their brewing traditions, and there were actually even instances of local legislation put into place Prior to the 1800s, that breweries of Cologne could not pitch bottom-fermenting lager yeast. That's right, you could only use their ale yeast. But with the emergence of other lager styled beers coming into Germany, much like I went over with um, the Helles in episode three and the Vienna-style lager in episode nine, the people of Cologne were starting to feel this pressure, and eventually they did fold. So they met a compromise, like I said and decided to both utilize the top fermenting ale yeast that they have been using first and then after that initial fermentation they would take the beer through a cold fermenting process often including that bottom fermenting lager yeast the sooner brewery right in cologne just off the banks of the rhine river were thought to be the first ones to do this in 1830. However, the word quote-unquote Kolsch didn't start to be utilized on the label of beers until the early 1900s when there were lots of breweries doing this new hybrid combined ale-lager yeast style. The popularity of this style continued to grow, and it was well-liked and respected all across Germany. Unfortunately, by the time World War II came around, there was a lot of extensive bombings that happened to the city of Cologne during this time, and it really brought the Brewing industry of the town reduced to rubble alongside with everything else. It took until the 1960s then for the Kolsch beer to start taking off again. Fast forward to 1980s, however, and the German government put a little bit of a damper on the Kolsch popularity as they placed strict definition on the brewing process for the Kolsch, much like the Berliner Weiss style we did in episode 16 last week. So very few breweries, only twelve in fact, um, are able to produce a accepted technical Kolsch by German standards. The exciting thing is that even though the Kolsch style in Germany is a little stagnant and not as big as it once was, it's taking off here in the U.S., and there are a lot of wonderful craft breweries out there looking into older, more traditional styles and producing kolsches and putting their own little flair and twist on them. So with that, let's get into our first brewery of the day. All right, so our first brewery of the day brings us to Fifth and Walnut in Milwaukee, just west of the Brewer's Hill neighborhood. We have Dead Bird Brewery. Their tap room first opened in 2015, pouring beers for their patrons. Their motto is Outstanding Beer by Upstanding Gentlemen. And I think the upstanding gentlemen part is that they strive to make amazing beer and participate in charitable events, community outreach projects, and fundraisers within their distribution area. Deadbird is a brewery that is very active in participating in a lot of events that pay back into not only the community where they're located but you know supporting the patrons that come in and enjoy their beer and making sure that people are being supported throughout. Moving on to their taproom space, Deadbird features a really neat outdoor patio just off the front of the building. On the inside, it has a handful of arcade games, lots of seating and a really neat Bumper shuffle board game. I've never seen one of those before and it's really neat. You have to go to check it out to see what it's all about, but it's a little bit different than your normal shuffle board. Deadbird also has an incredible full kitchen food menu. They are an all vegan restaurant and they have a little bit of a Mexican flair to their cuisine, so please do go check out some food. They make some really neat stuff. They also feature a wonderful brunch on Sundays, including a beer mosa, which is a combination of orange juice. And the Kohl style beer that we're featuring today. So with that, let's get into it. Alright, we have arrived at my favorite part of the show. We're about to drink a beer. First up, we have the goddamn beer from Deadbird here, and it is weighing in at 4.5%. The IBUs are sitting at 25. So, definitely on the lower end of the spectrum, should be very light, should be very refreshing. There is noble hops of European variety, as well as some classic European malts, as indicated on the can. The can that we have is 12 ounces, and it's actually a little refreshing for me to see the 12-ounce can. More often than not nowadays, I think we see the craft brewery always using the traditional 16-ounce pounders. So I tend to like to have a smaller sample sometimes, and we're going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's get on to the pour. As we're pouring this out, it's coming in a a very pale, uh, very pale straw light color, very clear, very lightly carbonated. It honestly, to me, looks like you could be pouring out a cheap domestic beer right now into my glass. But the funny thing is, as I'm pouring it out, I'm already starting to get a smell of this beautiful aroma coming off of it. And I think it's going to, it almost smells like it's going to be a little hop or yeast dominant. So let's get in for a, a smell here. Yeah, so I kind of get like that bubble gum, banana notes that you get from the yeast esters that can be produced. So really interested here. So let's let's get into a first sip. Oh, Yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's nice. Hold on. One more. One more. Well, I mean, I feel like I could finish this entire glass without even saying a word to anyone. It is going down that easy. I mean, let's start off here. It's it's actually surprisingly a little malt forward. I get a very sweet grain bill there. There's a subtle spice note that kind of lingers in the background and I that must be coming from the noble European hops that the can talks about. But what, one more sip here. Yeah, I mean it's so crisp. I mean it's a ve- it's got a very sharp like a big snap on the tongue at the end and I really really dig that. Overall, it's a very light body. It's not filling at all. I mean, it's so wonderfully balanced. Very lightly grained, very light hot profile combined makes it just so crushable. I could envision this as a perfect plug-in for a tailgate beer. Let's say you're, you know, want to class it up a little bit more, leave the Miller Lite at home and get something a little more flavorful, but that's still not that filling, this would be an awesome plug-in. I mean, I could see myself enjoying this with a bratwurst, and at four and a half percent, you can definitely have more than one of these during your tailgate. So without further ado, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off the rest of this beer and we'll get on to our next brewery. All right, our second brewery, we have Minocqua Brewing Company. As I mentioned earlier, it is truly up in the north woods of Wisconsin, in the north central part of the state. It's a very busy place full of outdoor activities in the summer, you know, water sports in the lake, fishing, hiking, and just having a good time. Minocqua is one of those places, though, that, you know, in the summer, it can see upwards of 60,000 residents, but in the wintertime, there's only 6,000 people there, so it can be very, very quiet. Manaqua um, Brewing Company has been around since the early 2000s when it was owned and operated by Dan and Lori White and their family. But most recently in 2016, Kirk Bank's dad and his late wife Elizabeth bought it when they were moving back to Wisconsin. Kirk has an interesting background with tech startups as well as singing and music management. He kind of went coast to coast, originating from the Stevens Point area here in Wisconsin, but he was out in California, New York, and a little pit stop in Chicago as well before they came back. You may recognize Minocqua Brewing Company though from um, a lot of chatter they got in early 2020. They made big headline news for hanging a large Biden sign on the outside of their brewery. For those of you who don't know, just a little context, Minocqua is traditionally a very Republican part of the state so it may be a little odd to see a very large Joe Biden sign hanging on the outside of a business up there. And not surprisingly, a lot of people were very uh, bothered by this and filed formal complaints because the sign was very large. And apparently, it was too large, and there was a threat that the local government could then fine him daily. This really ended up blowing up on social media for him, and a lot of people were pouring in with their support and donation dollars, saying, like, we'll we'll help you cover the cost of the fine, keep the sign up, you know, we'll buy your beer, anything to keep you afloat in the early stage of the pandemic here. And he really, Kirk himself, took this and ran with it. He started to create a whole lineup of Democratic-themed beer, including the Biden beer that we're having today but if you look at any of their cans and any of the beer names there's obvious democratic um, denotations to that so I think that's really neat and moving forward let's let's get into this Biden beer and see what it's all about all right beer number two and this one is coming in that 16 ounce traditional pounder just like I said before there's a A lot of breweries that utilize these 16-ounce cans, and that's just okay. In front of me, I have the Biden beer, and it is weighing in at 5% ABV. So again, on the lower end, and only 19 IBU, so don't expect this one to be very bitter. On the can itself, we have a very cool picture of Joe Biden rocking his aviator sunglasses. And on the back, it does give a brief description of a little bit of the history we talked about just now as well as talking about the 5% of all the profits going to the Monaco Brewery Company Super uh Dark money meant for good, quote unquote. This Super PAC is something that Kirk did help create, and it fits very nicely with his desire to run for state assembly and be involved with politics and to be an advocate for the things that he wants to support and the people that you know buy his beer want to support. So I think it's only natural that makes sense that 5% of the proceeds of this beer will help contribute to the super pack, which will then hopefully pay back into the community and the patrons that are buying and having this beer be served to them. So without further ado, let's get on to this pour. All right. So I should say this is always a fun part of, to the show when we do a double beer feature to kind of compare and contrast. Uh, As I'm pouring this one out, it's coming out a very gold color, but it's definitely a little bit of a darker hue compared to the goddamn beer. And it's definitely still very lightly carbonated. But the aroma isn't as present as I open this can and really start pouring it out. But let's get my nose up to this. Yeah, so I'm getting like a very sweet, sweet malt grain bill. Not much else is going on there, and that's okay. Sometimes simple is just really well done, and that's where we can enjoy... You know, a beer just like this. So let's get into a sip. Huh. Okay. What? Well, one more. Yep. Yeah. That's that's actually a little bit of an adjustment from the first one. I gotta play around with this one a little bit to kind of think think about this. One more sip. So slightly bitter forward, which is a, a bit of a contrast compared to the um, the aroma, and it's not like a bitter hop. There's there's not much hop to speak of here, fr- quite frankly. I think the bitterness is coming from a complex grain taste, perhaps rye, and I'm not sure if there's any rye in this, but that's kind of what this reminds me of. Let me finish, let me get into this beer a little bit more. It has a has a really light body, but it's a little more filling than the goddamn beer overall. As I'm as I'm finishing a little more of this glass, the malt bill provides now a very slight sweetness that's starting to linger over my tongue, almost like a light syrup. The beer is not as crisp as the Deadbird offering and I think that's important to note because when we talk about this style, you know, it has the complexities of both the ale yeast and the lager yeast, giving the best of both worlds combined into one beer, and I'm just not quite getting that as much with this one compared to the Deadbird beer. Drinkability though, I mean this beer is really easy to put down and on a hot summer day I'm sure I could throw back this and have no problem with it So let me linger this one over a little bit and we'll get on to these ratings Okay, so this one actually was pretty fun today because I feel like I haven't had this big of a dynamic change between the two beers on any of my recent double beer features so Here we are, 0 to 5, and we're going to go with the goddamn beer from Deadbird first. Uh, This one is a very, very strong candidate for a Kohl style beer. I mean, this thing kind of blew me away, and it had a perfect balance between a little bit of malt, a little bit of hop, and a very crisp finish on the end. It was to die for. I mean, I could slip back (laughs) um, a lot of these beers. And with that, I'm going to give it a very strong 4.5 out of 5 for the style. So well done, Deadbird Brewery. Moving on to our next we have from the Biden beer from Manaqua bring this one. I don't really know what to think of it. And I think it's a good rendition of the coal style and essence. That's a little lighter tasting, but you know, it's not very offensive as the can says it's something a lot of people are going to, you know, appeal to and be able to drink and enjoy. So I think for that purpose, it is a good beer, but it didn't really offer a lot for me on the lager Christmas and, you know, being a complete coal style. So I think with that, I'm going to give it a 3-0 out of 5. So we have 4-5 for the goddamn beer and a 3-0 for the Biden beer. And that's a review. All right, beer fans, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks so much for stopping by. And once again, thank you to Matt. This episode has been for you. Really appreciate you, buddy. Um if you're looking to find these beers out in the wild that we enjoyed today, you can find Deadbird kind of in the Milwaukee community, potentially towards the Dane County community, but they're pretty local, pretty small right now, but they are, I believe, from what I last saw, putting in a new fermenting system to hopefully up their volume a little bit and get their beers out in more places. The Monona Brewing Company is pretty widely available north to south the entire state of Wisconsin, as well as the Twin City area. So All of my beer lovers and beer friends up in the Twin Cities area, get your hands on some Monaco Brewing Company. Like I said last week, the only thing I ask for you all is continue spreading the good word. If you find yourself in any of the breweries that I've featured on the show, let them know that, hey, I heard about you on Buzz with Brian and I wanted to check out your beers and you should listen to the podcast. If you have any beer ideas for the show, feel free to reach me at buzzedwithbrian at gmail.com. And give me a like, a follow, subscribe. Check out the Instagram, continuing to be very active on there with any podcast updates. And that's about it for me today, folks. Can't wait to get back on the mic here soon again. Cheers, beers.